I'm about that life. If you want to be about that life, connect with us on social media. Like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Live That Life Now, on Twitter at Live That Life 20, and at YouTube That Life. Contact us via inbox, DM, or email at livethatlifenow at gmail.com with feedback or show topic ideas. Every time we look up, we want to see you winning. Live, Live that, that life, life now. You don't even have an emergency contact that you feel like you could put that. That was my issue. I felt like nobody had today phone number to do. Who could I even put down for an emergency contact? Yeah. That's first thing. And then go into, all right, you got somebody, you put them down as emergency contact, but that's just your food, this and that. They call the person because you fell out, this and that. But then you get to the hospital, they talk about, you know, with COVID and all these new protocols, you can't really get in. You can't really do. You can't see we need a close relative. All right, you get that. Then the next level is, okay, the situation that went from worse. They on the machine. We need to, do we do a surgery? Do we not do the surgery? What do you tell us to do? You don't have no say-so in it. And you got help. Some wife or husband, they've been married and y'all just been checking or whatever, or uh, a close relative that ain't been nowhere in their life. Don't, you trying to tell them what decision to make from what y'all talked about, and they doing what they want to do. And now you frustrated on and top so, of being hurt because you're already hurt that the person you love is in this situation. Yes. Then you hurt because nobody's acknowledging you. Right. You know, but you made a good point about COVID that COVID really brought a lot of this to light for people because like you said, number one, people could not go into the hospitals. And some people, you know, hospitals were only doing one person, period, anyway. But some hospitals, they would let, you know, if you were if you were conscious and able, they would let you decide who that one person would be. But not even um, all hospitals did that, even for those that were able to speak. But like you said, the more importantly is, because if you're able to speak, you can advocate for yourself anyway. But more importantly, when you are incapacitated in some form, and that's what we saw a lot of in COVID, where people were on ventilators and things like that. And so, you know, people just couldn't come. And they were trying to, you know, do things over the phone. And we heard all kind of situations on the news with people trying to make do. And, you know, it, it just, it was stressful. For, exactly. It was stressful enough with just what we at the world was dealing with. And then to have that added layer of stress that, you know, okay, just because we're not legally married or we're not, you know, blood related, now I I, I can't. I'm looked at as a second-class citizen. And then the part I wanted, to, the, the last part I want to add is the person dies, right? Ooh. So then you get no say-so of the arrangement. You get no name on the obituary because it's up to family. Then, oh, man. that was another social media Oh, that's the one I should use. The social media. Remember I told you that the girl said, um, y'all always going on and on about marriage just a piece of paper, but don't get mad when I put you as my dad's special friend on the obituary because obituary is just a piece of paper. And then people was like, special friend? I didn't put no, nobody on mine. Like, don't get mad when I don't put you on there at all because, again, while they was alive, yeah, this same it, yeah, this episode, it was just a piece of paper. And people was like, y'all say marriage is just a piece of paper, but birth certificates are just a piece of paper too, but you're laying down having kids with folks. And they, they tied to child support because of that birth certificate, but it's just a piece of paper. Uh, uh, 
They was like, death, listen, I'm, I'm that is, a death certificate is just a piece of paper. But if you want to collect that insurance policy, boo, you need that piece of paper. So don't get me started. So then the next part, after the funeral, all that, now the family telling you, you got to move because this is their house. Yeah. That's I mean, rough. did you see how this whole it, it, episode yeah, came and, out? Yeah. And then not only that, you know, I've seen people that not only did they live in that house with that person, could have been living there for years, like this is their house too. But of course they legally have no rights. And now people telling them you gotta go and all of that. I've seen it where people have literally invested in the house. Oh yeah. They was paying. And Some it's people like- was paying all the bills. Yeah, but then it's like, this ain't your house. What? But it's not, let's just be real, it's not. So, you know, if you're not going to get married or you're not blood related, or let's say you are a person that, like you said, you just don't have family, friends that you can depend on. Um, you know, you need to make some type of provision. People get stuck on the fact that it has to be family, a blood relation. It doesn't. It can be somebody else, but you need to do it legally if that's the case. Because if you don't do it legally, they're going to take the next, the closest kin, blood relation. So if you know that your blood family members are not around or not reliable or you just they just don't know your wishes well enough and you prefer someone else, you need to do what it takes legally to make that happen. That people can speak for you or you can't speak for yourself. Greetings, greetings, greetings. Greetings. <sighs> that was a conversation we had. As you could see, just driving down the street, <laughs> we started to record it. And here we are. We want to talk about it on our podcast. I think it's important. I think that, you know, a lot of people um, are in these situations. And, you know, we see it every day. We see it on social media. I talked about the fact that, you know, there was a whole conversation on social media about a piece of paper. Yes. And you just heard the song, um, Put It On Paper, and Nesby and Al Green. Um, and the thing about paper that people love to, you know, if we can go back and forth about that all day. People yes. have their reasons, their arguments about it. But paper is only as value as valuable as you make it. So it's not the paper itself. It's the value attached to the paper. Mm-hmm. Money is printed on paper, right? But if you were to get a, a piece of notebook paper and compare it to a $5 bill, they don't have the same value because the value attached that's been placed on the $5 bill is different than that of a sheet of notebook paper, right? right. And so it's the same when you think about you know, marriage certificates, death certificates, birth certificates, legal documents, you know, and that's the thing that people don't want to really acknowledge, um, you know, any type of legal document, whether it's a domestic partnership doc, um, document, you know, like civil union, or it's a will, or it's a contract, you know, you can say um, paper doesn't matter, but I, I, I like having deeds to my house and things like that because with it your says name that on the paper. with my name on it it says that it's mine and it says that you know people should not be able to just come and take it or do what they want to do with it because of that piece of paper correct so i think that song i love it 
I mean, yeah. Well, it's it's powerful. I think even that little five minute conversation that we had or that we recorded. I mean, we recorded much more, but again, people don't realize that these are real conversations that we have, and that's why we do podcasts and motivational speaking because we try to keep it real to people and let them know just like this if you don't put it on paper the outcomes could be traumatic Mm -hmm. and so we we when we first started talking about this we looked at emergency contact Mm -hmm. and so you know I know one when my mother passed and I was already divorced and you know so I, w- I remember I went to the doctor and they was like, do you want to update your emergency contact? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, who is my emergency contact? And for me, you know, it could be anybody, but it needs to be somebody that's going to answer the phone. <laughs> and that's, that's, <laughs> that's just big. Because a lot that, of us don't can, answer, just don't right. answer the phone. And you're not going to, you true. really don't answer numbers you don't know. Don't know. And then, they would have to leave a message and, and, uh, and they may not want to leave a message and in then that circumstance. can you reach out to other people and get there and mm-hmm. all that? So just the emergency contact, who is your emergency basic. contact? It's, it's basic. You know, when you go to get a job, when you go to enroll your kid in school, they ask you, you know, about these type of things. Yes. And so that's really, now that's just the the bare minimum, the basic, but we need to, we need to have that in place. Right. That, that person is just like the 911 operator. Mm-hmm. Uh, that person is just going to know you're hurt, you mm-hmm. fail, you're in the hospital, you this and that. But people really need to think, who is your emergency contact? Mm-hmm. Who do you have as if something goes wrong? Because, and, you know, people need to go back and look. Some people have not updated their emergency contact in years. Yes. You may not even be talking to that person, even if it's a family member, mm-hmm. or they know or nothing about sick. you. They know nothing about you because, you know, you're different. Your wishes, your desires have changed. Or their situation is different. Maybe they were a person that you put them because they were always available. You know, they could they could get to the phone. They could get to you. Now maybe their life situation has changed. Right. Where they're really just not available anymore. And right. so you need to update that. You do. You do. But we saw, you know, um, just in general, the fact that, you know, we all need to consider some things. We all need to have some type of plan in place. Just put some thought into it. We've seen it with people we know when mm-hmm. they've died. We've seen it um, with celebrities. You know, we saw um, like some of the things we were just talking about in that car conversation. We talked about, you know, medical situations. We saw, you know, uh, like DMX when he died, you know, um, before he died, he was incapacitated for a period. And and that was unexpected. And there was conversations, public conversations about, you know, what was happening behind the scenes and not knowing who should do and who should make decisions. And that's very real. It happens all the time, you know, and we don't we don't want that if we can avoid it, because when things like this happen, you know, your family, your friends, whoever, they're dealing with enough. Oh, yeah. Just because of what's happening, you know, what's happening to you. And so if we can, we want to alleviate as much stress and pressure as we possibly can on the financial side. You know, having a plan in place is also important. Mm-hmm. We saw, you know, it's ongoing. I just saw even recently that there are still, you know, court proceedings related to Prince, the singer, his estate. And this is a person that was financially wealthy. And so it's a lot to unpack and a lot to uncover, but there was no plan in place. Nothing on paper. Nothing on paper. And so, you know, because you can verbally say something all day long, but it needs to be memorialized on paper. We have time. 
Yeah, we think we have all the time in the world and we really don't. And so, you know, that is another situation where you would want to um, make sure to put something on paper. So, you know, think about who is your emergency contact, like we said. Who can make decisions for you if you are unable to, like like you said, do they even know your wishes? Because mm-hmm. maybe they knew your wishes 10 years ago when you first put them down, but we grow and we change. Right. So do they even know your wishes today? You know, are they capable of handling the decision making? Because just because someone is your next of kin, you know, and that's who they're going to call, that don't mean that they are capable of making the decision, the decisions. And do they even want to? Right. Because some people, yes, legally, you it's know, pressure. they are they don't want to. They, right. they, they're like, that. I don't want that. You know, so those are the type of things you need to think about. Who's going to make your medical decisions? Who's going to do funeral arrangements? Who's going to get your house? Who's going to get your car? Who's going to get your money? All those types of things. So a lot of things. Sometimes when people die, we hear about their estates. Like Prince. Yeah. A lot of times we think of an estate only applying to people with a lot of financial wealth. Mm-hmm. That is not That's true. That's not true. It's not true because all estate planning is, is is literally just making preparations for the future, you know, and you need to do that no matter the size of your bank account, no matter how right. many assets you have. We all own something. We all have something, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's just your material possessions, mm-hmm. like your pictures and, you know, your, t- your TVs, whatever, I don't know, whatever it is that you have that you think, well, is not like super valuable. I'm not walking around with in a a state, you know, with a great amount of financial wealth like Prince, but you have stuff, you know, and you have things that are valuable. And so all an estate plan is, is just like a group of documents that basically meet the goal of, you know, protecting you in the future and then protecting the people you care about. Documents. Documents. It's paper. It covers. It covers you. It covers them, like the things we talked about, who makes decisions, who gets and what. It's just, I'm just making it plain. It's putting it on, on paper. paper. Documents, not just meaning paper. to talk about yeah. it. You know, um, I was watching last night. Um, I knew we were coming into the studio, and we had talked about that car conversation that we were going to talk about that. So I rewatched an episode of This Is Us. Mm-hmm. And the mother who has been diagnosed with... Is it Alzheimer's or some form of dementia? Mm-hmm. Um, she had a family meeting with her children and her husband and said, you know, this is what I want to happen. Her daughter's going to be the person that's going to make decisions, right? And that was good because that's that's part of it. They had a conversation. She communicated her desires. Mm-hmm. But in a situation like that, you also need to put it on paper Correct. because she had a husband, right? She was married. And so even though... She she had told her family, and they knew that, hey, I want my daughter to be the the person. If she didn't put it on paper, the doctors are just going to going to automatically go to her husband. And if he does not abide by her, his wife's wishes, and lets the daughter do, he'll just do. And that's legally what will happen. And so even though we have these conversations, we need to put it on paper. Exactly. So when we look at, again, if we run by this, the emergency contact. Mm-hmm. That's the person that calls their call to say, John Doe fell out, whatever, we're taking him to the hospital. It's like the initial notification. Right. Okay. So then the emergency contact is not, say, a close relative mm-hmm. or uh, say it's just somebody you live with. Mm-hmm. With COVID, you know, the hospital has all these things in place now, yeah. these do's and don'ts. 
Well, we just kind of experienced it even in the yesterday, actually. We were talking to someone who's in a hospital and there are restrictions. Yes. On, you know, if you can see, if you can come and you can do and that sort of thing. So right. it's still happening today. Today. So with that, are you allowed, even if you're the close contact, are you allowed in the hospital? Mm-hmm. That's that's something we have to think about. So when mm-hmm. you're writing down your emergency contact and you're expecting this person to come see about you and they're just, you know, a friend, mm-hmm. a boo or whatever, mm-hmm. are they allowed in the hospitals? Some hospitals have, like we just said, strict restrictions on mm-hmm. that due to COVID. Uh, Do you want them to be your contact? Because if you don't specify, they will be your contact by default. That's when you're dealing with a close blood relative. Like if you don't specify, like I was saying about the episode of This Is Us, you know, she told her family, I want my daughter to be the person. But if she does not put it on paper, her husband is going to be the contact by default. And so going back to what you said, the emergency contact is just like the initial form of notification. Okay, this person fell at work. We they passed out in Target. Whatever, whatever, right? Um, if you have something on you that says "call this person," that's usually notification. But this, and they can call the and call whomever. And a else. lot of most of the cell phones have what is called ice. Yes. So even in your cell phone, um, in case of emergency, right? People can check your cell phone and pull up the ice right. and know who to call as well. So be mindful of that, that yes. you could set it in your cell phone. Exactly. And so that person, that's like the first form of contact, mm-hmm. you know, and that person can then call whomever else, you know, needs to Hopefully be you gave them directions exactly. on who to call. For exactly. me, it's the ice should be somebody that will answer the phone. That's dependable. And will reach out to the people you need to reach out to. Exactly. And so then you need to decide, is that emergency contact person the same person that can come, like you said, can they even come to the hospital? Do you even want them to? Maybe they're just the messenger. Right. Are they the one to make decisions? And you have to be clear to your emergency contact because it may not be that. Right. Their role. Right. Like, are you just the messenger? Exactly. That they call you, they say, hey, this is what's going on. And then you call whomever else that may be the decision maker. Or maybe they are. But either way, these are the type of conversations you need to have. And, um, and you need paper. to put it on paper, you know, after the fact. And so is your, like you said, is your emergency contact a spouse or is it a close relative? You know, um, because you have to consider the times we live in. This is not 2019. So there may be a situation where, like, where we talked about where hospitals are restricting things. So, again, that's why the paper is important. Right. And so the other thing you need to think about is, you know, if you are in a situation where you are incapacitated, you cannot say, you cannot do. For yourself. For yourself. Who knows you well enough, you know, that can really state your wishes and do they have the legal right so th- this is a time, you know, this is a time where you may not deal with a lot of family members mm-hmm. or friends or this and that. You might live your life, you good. But let me let you know, the moment you are in the hospital, can't speak for yourself, family members will all have a, an opinion. Mm-hmm. And they will say what you told them. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was what? two days ago, I know him. 10 he years would, ago. He wouldn't want that. Right. Everybody is speaking for you. This is why we're emphasizing you need legal documentation mm-hmm. to say who it is, 
and the the what guidelines, the, the wishes have. that yeah. you wish, and you could you you know you could separate it as we've talked about. There's you could break it down where three or four people are doing three or four different things, mm-hmm. you know. But if you don't have legal documentation, the way the law is set up is it would automatically go to the spouse. Mm-hmm. Or the legal domestic and this, partner. And this is your spouse or legal domestic partner, whether or not you've been separated you physically for five with them. Years. We, people people been separated for 30 years yeah. and never got a divorce. Yes. But that person is legally still your spouse. They can pull the plug. Yes, yes. Understand. And that. do you really <laughs> I'm just some of these relationships, do you really want that person making the decisions? Plug. You they know? can come in, go past adult children, parents, everybody. Whomever. And you ain't talked to them in 20 years. But they... Legally, they can come in okay. and say, I'm the wife, and show... And show that, that marriage piece certificate. Of paper. And if can't know anyone else come up with another legal document that counteracts it. it, like a divorce document or a power of attorney, we'll get into, then they're going to have... Exactly. The hospital has no choice. Yep. Because it's the law. Be mindful of that. Then it goes to that adult child. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if... If there's no spouse or, like, legal partner. After that, it's the parents... Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the siblings. And then you you need to be even careful with the parents because say your mother and father are still alive, but they're not together. Mm-hmm. And then they're already feuding and not talking. Who? Because it just says parents. Mm-hmm. Which one have the right over the other? And the other thing is you have to think in terms of, too, as you start to get older and your parents start to get older, this is why it's so important to, um, you know, update. Mm-hmm. Once you do these documents to keep up updated as life events change and you change and things like that. Because as you start to get older, if you know that your parents are your people, right? Mm-hmm. They're somewhere in the pro- in the progression. It, whether you gave them authority or like this, legally it's going to come down to them. But if you start to notice that they are not um, sound, of sound <laughs> right. mind anymore and that they should not be, you know. So we need to think about that, too. Yes. As the people that are in this little line of progression or the people we choose, if things change with them, you know, as your parents start to get older. Um, we saw an announcement the other day, um, very sad, about Bruce Willis. Yes. You know, famous actor, acted in many movies, was still working up until right now, but his family made an announcement a couple days ago or so and said, hey, you know, we're just letting you know he's been diagnosed with aphasia, which is um, a form of dementia, and he's going to be retiring effective immediately. And, you know, talked about what they're dealing with as a family. But Bruce uh, has, you know, a a former wife, a famous actress, and they have three adult children, right? Mm -hmm. He then has a current wife, and they have two minor children, where for those adult children, they're not married. So, and they don't have children themselves. And so the way legally, if they don't have anything in place, something happens to those children, they're going to go to uh, Bruce and their mother, Demi, to make decisions for them. Well, at this point, Bruce is not in a position where he should be making decisions for anyone. And so as our parents age and as our, you know, our people that we have, as life events starts to change with them, we need to update it. Because right now, something happens to one of his kids. He is not the person you want, unfortunately, making those decisions. So think about that. True. Very true. And then, as we said, it goes to the siblings. So, again, we're just trying to educate you and make sure that you understand and really give you something to think about and go take action on. You know, what what should you really do if you are in these situations? We've all seen situations where, you know, loved ones have had to stand by and literally watch 
others make decisions simply because the person didn't have anything in place, you know, to protect them. Um, And so we've seen it where people have been in relationships, long-term relationships for years, you know, live together, have children together, whatever the case. And, you know, something happened to their, their, their partner and family came in and was just like, nope, you don't have any say, you know, we've seen that. And so what we're just trying to make sure people understand is that piece of paper matters. Right. That documents you know, it matters. legally, we should consider the following things. Mm-hmm. A living will. Yep. Uh, medical health care power of attorney. Mm-hmm. A health care proxy. These are all things we should consider. And we want to just kind of go over them briefly for you. But you can Google. You could look them up. And these you can are, talk to an attorney about these yes, things. Yes. There are forms that you can um, get online mm-hmm. for free. Like the little templates, you can print them out. You can definitely talk to an attorney. And most times it's just as simple as having the forms and then having them notarized. And, you know, you can do that pretty much easily. But all of these forms, we talked about the estate planning earlier. All of these forms are literally pieces of paper documents that are part of an estate plan. Yes. So what is a living will? A living will is a set of instructions for how you want mm-hmm. to be treated in case you are in incapacitated. Right. Now, let's be clear that a living will, because when we think of the word will, we think of last will and testament type of thing. Um, This is separate. It's telling your family and medical team about your medical. Yes. Why are you incapacitated? Not past. Just this is why I said earlier, you would have different people doing different things. It's is separate from the will that talks about your financial yes. assets and inheritance. Yes. A living will is for I'm still alive, you know, and it just really focuses on your preferences concerning medical treatment. So exactly. it's telling them it sometimes you may hear it being called an advanced directive because that's what it is. It's telling like your family and your medical team what to do in advance. Like you've already set it up in advance that in the event this happens, this is what I want to happen. So it's you telling them what you want them to do. And so what's some examples of a living will could include? Uh, in a living will, you would talk about things like um, end-of-life care. Mm-hmm. You know, do you want comfort care, like hospice care, palliative care? And what that usually is, that's, you know, making a person comfortable. Okay. So you could give instructions for that. Do you want that? Mm-hmm. Do you not? You know, um, we resuscitation. We hear that a lot where... Some people feel like they have a DNR. Do not resuscitate. If I leave, I leave. Do not resuscitate me. You know, or do you want CPR? Do you want, some people say, perform every possible life-saving measure, you know, for me. Um, But if you don't have that spelled out or written out, your family will decide what happens. Okay. You know, um, other things, you know, like religious um, reasons or objections, you know, to specific treatment based on your religion. And, and we've seen that that could be anything that could be, you know, that could impact your choice of medications, you know, or treatments like blood transfusions, things like that based on, you know, your religious beliefs. And so that needs to be spelled out as well. Um, one big thing is like mechanical ventilation. You will hear a lot of people say, I don't want to be like on a, a I don't want to be op- uh, hooked up to machines that basically breathe for me, have my heart pump for me, those sort of things. Um, People have different thoughts about it, but you need to, you know, be clear about that sort of thing because, again, you don't want your family, it's stressful enough with what they're dealing with, 
to have to then decide. And, and a lot of times it's easy to make decisions out of emotion in these times and not necessarily, you know, thinking logically about what this person wants. So if that piece of paper is there saying, this is what I said. Right. Basically. And it, it could be how long you want. And, yeah. You could say, uh, like, I'll do it. For three but months. But only for three months. And right. after that point, if I'm not, then take me off. You can put it how you, you want can it. Say, that eases the pressure for exactly, those family members. Because you're they're literally the doctors are following your directive. Exactly. Tube feeding. That's another thing, you know, that's related to that. Um, organ donation. You know, we know that in the state of Illinois, you know, we have the option to put it on our driver's license. And that stands because it's a legal. You document. filled out a piece of paper when you went to the office of the secretary of state. Exactly. So, again, so that stands. But if you don't have it on there, you can still have, you know, a piece of paper that says, I wish to be an organ owner. You can even be specific in that piece of paper about certain organs. Um, so, those are the types of things that a living will can include, and you can customize it for right. you. And so that's the key. The living will kind of gives your direction it's, of what you yes, want what and how you, you want, and you can be as specific as yes. you want. A medical power of attorney is really the same as a healthcare proxy where they both give whoever you assigns the decision-making authority. Right, so in this case, you're saying, you know, I'm not going to make the decision. I'm just going, I'm going to leave it up to this person. Whatever they say is, it's fine for me. Yes. I'm giving them all authority. You know, I'm not even telling you I want this, this, and that. It's just whatever they say. Right. And some people, some people refer that because they don't know the situation. They don't, they can't imagine what they'll be doing and going through. They feel like they'd rather have an outside person, someone they trust and knows them to make that decision for them. Mm -hmm. So either one is not right or wrong. No, it's, it's just your, your choice. Preference. Right. It's your choice. But we're saying either way, something should mm -hmm. be on paper to and help. Now, the important thing about this is this is simply they only will have authority and power to make medical, medical. decisions medical. for you. Right. It's literally limited to medical decisions, nothing else. Right. So it lets them, you know, make the decisions for you um, on your behalf in the event you are physically, mentally, or medically in incapacitated. So let's take an example. God forbid you pass, right? When you pass, that person that had the medical power of attorney it ends. They have no more say-so unless you've done something else legally. But when it comes to making arrangements... Like funeral arrangements. Yes. It's, mm -hmm. it. you know, if you don't have no document or no power of attorney for that in your passing, the, the order is it goes to next to kin, mm -hmm. which is usually, again, the spouse, domestic partner. Legal domestic partner. Hopefully. You know, it's somebody that you're still with because we talked about that part mm -hmm. earlier. Because if not, that person can come and they from could, being they gone They could relinquish years. their authority, but they don't have to. No, no. So. Adult, child, parents, siblings. So we kind of talked about that earlier, but it's the same way in, in your passing. But so now. Let's talk about funeral plans. Right. That's the so, next thing. You know. There's so many things. We've we've had conversations. Well, even even if you 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 know, you pass. Mm -hmm. You're leaving the hospital. Where are you going? Yeah. What funeral home are you going to? Right. Are you going to be cremated? Mm -hmm. Are you going to be all of that? All of that is part of the funeral plans. Right. And people have specific preferences, you know. I was reading something yesterday. I was telling you that there's, you know, some information floating out there about, you know, Tracy Braxton. Mm -hmm. You know, sad situation that 
she what's being said, obviously don't know how true this stuff is. What's being said is that she had a conversation and said, this is what I want. This is what I do not want. Okay. And then when she passed, you know, um, family members, her husband, you know, son, whomever, they decided, well, we need, this is what we should do. You know, there's a lot of people that love her and, you know, we should do it. But then her like siblings felt like, but that's exactly contrary to what she said she wanted. So we're not going to participate. Um, Again, when a person, when you die, if you don't have certain things on paper specifics, it's going to go to your spouse, you know, the order that we talked about, and they're going to be allowed to make decisions. Um, sounds like maybe she did have a person that she had some things in paper. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, if you're not specific, and even with that, with, you know, picking someone, it's still going to be up to them to do whatever. And so a lot of people today say, I don't want funerals. I don't want to. A lot of people say that. Saying it is one thing. Right. But putting it on paper is another. But you have to, you know, have some type of paper to back up what it is you want to spell out your plans. Right. And you have to then try to have someone that you trust to really try to make sure that your voice is heard even after you are gone. Well, I see a lot that happens in this especially when it comes down to the funeral. And, and, and again, emergency contact, you could have your uh, person you're living with, you know, mm-hmm. your significant other be your emergency contact. That's fine. Whether they can get into the hospital is one thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. But then making life-threatening decisions for you is another thing. Mm-hmm. Because, again, if it's not on paper, as we said, it's going to go to the next of kin in the family. Mm-hmm. So then, God forbid, in the passing, now the funeral. You don't really get now. You probably know this person better than anybody. You've you know, been living you, with them. You talk to them all about of that. This stuff. You, you know, know their wishes, but nothing is on paper. So now it's they didn't want a funeral, but the family is planning this huge mm-hmm. Zoom worldwide. People flying from all over mm-hmm. for this funeral, and then you get there. They do the obituary and everything else, and your name is not on the paper. Well, it's just a piece of paper. That's what, like I told you what they said on Instagram, where the girl said the dad's significant other got upset because she put her down as a special friend. Well, what else could she really She should be happy. And then the other people said, well, you were good for putting her as a special friend. They said, well, my parent died. I didn't put anything. Right. You know, so and then you're just feeling like you're not properly acknowledged. Right. You know, um, or just even, you know, being considered. In the decision-making process because you love this person. This person loved you, and you were there with them, probably knew them better than anyone. And so in the car conversation, you mentioned, you know, that's the funeral, that's the planning, everything that happens with that. Now the person, you know, has been buried or cremated or whatever the right. case. Um, now the funeral is over, right? Yes. The person is gone, and you brought up a good point. You said, then what happens? I've seen it. Myself, with people I know, I've I've heard about it. You know, you're grieving. You at home, you're struggling, you're grieving. And then family members, whether it's parents, adult children, siblings, whomever, they like um, knocking on your door. Um, you got to go. We need a house. Like, I'm, I'm going to need you. I'm going to give you some time, but you, you got to go. You know, um, we got to make decisions. We got to make moves. We got to sell this house. We got to rent it out. We got... Those types of things happen. It is very real if you don't have things memorialized on paper. And you could have been the one. 
that was financially oh holding I've up, paying it. everything. I've seen it. People that have literally invested so much money into properties and things like that, but it's not legally their property. Yep. And then the family comes and you like, hold on, I've been living here. And yes, in some states, you know, you can try to take it to court. There are things you can try to do. But honestly, you need to have some stuff in paper because that's just it's a headache and you may or may not win. And even if you do win the things that you have to go through, you know, while you're already stressed and hurting, it's just not worth it. You know, care about yourself and the people that you love enough to make provision for them and to put it on paper. Because if not. I mean, they get asked for the house. They get asked for the cars. Bank anything accounts. in that person's name, mm-hmm. they can come in and take. And legally, they, they have, have the right. right. They, they have, have, and this could be listen. Every right. This could be a person that you know, whether it's their parent, kids, uh, siblings, whomever. You know, they don't even fool with them. Yep. And you looking like you wasn't starting them when they was alive, and now you coming over here. You know, you never darken my doorstep. Exactly. But now here you come. This is why it is important that couples living together, you know, if you're not married, develop documents, living wills, uh, wills, estate planning, documents that express their mutual long-range plans for both of you all. Mm -hmm. You know, put it on paper. You know, one thing to think about is, you know, are one of you the sole provider? Are you in a situation where, or even if you're not the sole provider, are you the main provider? Either way, you're living off the you two income. Exactly. If you, uh, no matter what exactly. it is. And even if it, let me not even say income, because sometimes it may be one person with an income, but and one person the other things that they're all doing, the other it's things, big. And that's big. And so, you know, you have to think about that. But when it comes to finances, I'm talking specifically yeah. about finances now. Because this is the way, you know, the two of you have built your life, whether it's the two incomes or the one or however you've, you know, decided you're going to live. You need to really think about it and you need to discuss um, financial planning and protection, you know, if one or both of you, whoever dies, Mm -hmm. you know, um, because I've seen it where, you know, you've been together a long time and it's like. You know, well, I was just living here. I mean, I, I was living here free. They always took care of me, you know, but then now you're dead. They're dead and you have nothing because you're not getting a check from the government. I don't care if they did have a pension. I don't <laughs> care if they did have Social Security. You're not entitled. Nope. Legally. So you're Legally, you're not entitled. So. And so there, if there's nothing in place, there's nothing that has been, you know, um, you haven't been provided for, you know, in that way, you're going to find a very new reality in a time where you're already hurt. And that's the thing. You're already mourning and grieving. And now your life is really You shouldn't have to think about those things in that down. moment. And then you, the, the sad part I've seen is we like to blame. We want to blame the family. Mm-hmm. We're saying they're not uh, compassionate. But you got to remember, they're grieving too. Yeah. They're grieving too. And legally, they are making the choices that they can. Mm-hmm. Legally, they can. Today, as you're listening to this podcast, you need to start planning, mm-hmm. as we're saying, financially, physically, looking at wills, living wills, uh, powers of attorneys, life insurance. Really need to think about life insurance, especially if you are not married or you're not in a um, legal sort of partnership because, you know, when it comes to like pension, social security, you will not be legally entitled to anything. So you need to think about and have conversations about making provision, you know, for your loved one. 
Um, and so really in life insurance can really help with that, with their, you know, financial well-being and with housing. So they make sure that they can, you know, have a place to live, et cetera. And so I will say April is financial literacy month, you know, so it's a good time to really talk about this, the financial part, all of it, but specifically the financial part. And, you know, we hear so much about people talking about building generational wealth and things like that. We have a podcast yes. episode on it. Um, check it out. Going you through know. something like this holds that up. And it could be people being in a state court for years. Exactly. And so, you know, regardless of the state of your current finances, you know, you don't have to be have money like Prince. You know, we all need to think about what happens to us, what happens to our finances if we are incapacitated yes. and we can't make decisions, you know, or if we die or if someone we love dies, how does that affect us financially? And so since it's Financial Literacy Month, we are going to, you know, ask you to have these conversations with yourself and with others. And then out of the the result of those conversations to then put some things on paper, you can um, go to our website, um, it's Hiram and Gina.com. And we are going to give out like maybe like a free budget template or something for uh, financial literacy month to help get you started, to give you some ideas on, um, what getting your finances in order look like something that, you know, a, a basic template or something that can help you. So do that, but please, please, please have these conversations, you yes. know, start with the conversation and I'm going to be real from my perspective. If you are in relationship of some type with with someone, anyone, and you bring up the fact that, hey, we need to make provision, you know, protection for me, protection for you um, in the event something happens to us and they're not open to that, you really need to reevaluate that relationship. And I'm just that's just my personal opinion, because love protects. And this is about protecting you, protecting them, especially in a time when we're most vulnerable. To add to that is, even if you have the conversation and both parties are willing, Paper. but then no action follows, mm -hmm. we're going to get nothing. to it. I'm going to call an attorney. I'm going to get the papers. And that time, you know, you have to put a time on it mm -hmm. because people will, it's, it's not important to them. Exactly. Because we all think we have so much time, Yeah, you know, and, and life happens. And so we need And it's not just, it's not just always dead look at like bruce willis right you know look at you know like we talked about on this is us things happen things happen and you want to be able to have these conversations when you are you know not only a stable mind but when you're not emotional right, right. you know you're calm and you can really sit down and make decisions for yourself and communicate those decisions and then memorialize it on paper and so do this because what it's going to do is it's going to make your wishes known to your family and friends and to your medical team, legal people. It's also going to empower the people that you love to be able to make the decisions for you. And so go have those conversations, put it on paper, you know, go live that healthy, happy, financially free, protected life now.
Are you a corporation in need of coaching and training? A church or nonprofit that's seeking speakers, coaching, or training services? Conference organizer in need of a keynote speaker? Or a couple seeking relationship, premarital, or marital counseling or coaching? Great. Great. You You are are part part of our C factor. factor. That Life is a faith-based firm that provides speaking, coaching, training, and consultant services. Are you ready to be about that life? That Life specializes in helping individuals and organizations create transformational shifts that help them transition from caterpillars to beautiful butterflies. And we're looking to connect with decision makers who are booking upcoming retreats, conferences, or trainings. We are also available for group or one-on-one coaching and consultant services. Please contact us for a free consultation at livethatlifenow at gmail.com. And remember to live live that that life life now. now.